From Relay FM, this is the Pen Addict, episode 358. Today's show is brought to you by Pen Chalet and Moo. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Brad Dowdy. Hi, Brad Dowdy. Hey, Mike Hurley. How are you? I'm good. How are you? You don't sound like you've been to a pen show. <laughs> I have not been to a pen show, and actually. As I was replaying last week's episode in my head, because I never replay it um, in my podcast, listener, I just uh, rewind the whole thing in my head. I realized I made a whoopsie by not mentioning, hey, by the way, the Chicago Pen Show is coming up uh, this past weekend, and whoops. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I was not there, but I wanted to talk about it anyway, because... Like, if you're not there, I, does it really happen? If a Brad Dowdy isn't at a pen show, does anyone around know there's a pen show? <laughs> Oh, that's not fair. That's not fair. Because <laughs> the Chicago Pen Show is one of the good ones, and I hate that I forgot to mention it, even though, like, not that it would have made any difference, but I like to say, hey, by the way, Chicago Pen Show this weekend, we just got, sometimes we get in that show doc and we just go, go for mm-hmm. it. So we have some recappy stuff to talk about. Um, mostly, I just, I, you know, always follow along on Instagram you know, on the various pin show hashtags. And I like that Instagram has it to where you can like sort and save a hashtag and you can look at the, the most recent pictures like Chicago pin show 2019 hashtag. And all the pictures look great. It looked packed. It looked very busy. Um, you know, I've been there to that show in that hotel area before and I know it can get crowded and it looks like it was a pretty good crowd. So I, I always hate that I miss it because Chicago is a good one. Um, I talked to Anna a bunch during the show. This was her first, Chicago show where she had her own table for the well-appointed desk and Skylab letterpress, you know, her, uh, her husband, Bob's, you know, letterpress shop. So she had all of her stuff out there. She had some cool color rings with the special, uh, special edition Chicago cover, which looked really, really neat. Those came out spectacular. And, um, I know over at the well-appointed desk that in pretty much the entire writing staff over there did something at the show. So Anna had her table, Laura, worked for Van S pens and Jesse had her own table for her vintage pen shop, which y'all are all familiar with uh, Jessica Coles and, and everything she does with uh, her vintage restoration mm-hmm. pens. And they're all going to have their recaps up this week. Anna's went up uh, yesterday, I think um, she, she took a lot of awesome pictures. Definitely go check that out. We'll have all the links to these in the show notes. Some, something caught my eye in that, uh, post Mike, um, my good buddy Scott Franklin, does he own a BlackBerry? Um, I found this to be a very questionable picture, and uh, I think there's a BlackBerry phone in front of him. I didn't know they still made those. If anyone would own, yeah, a BlackBerry, that is though, a. I think it's I'm called sure a it would be Scott. So BlackBerry mm. now make Android phones. Mm. So that's mm. an Android so, phone. So good job by Scott there. That's definitely on brand for him. That's it's a very Scott Franklin phone. I endorse that lifestyle. Like if you're gonna if you own it, man. <laughs> like if you wanna if you want a hardware keyboard, like just you go for it. I'm all on right. board. Right. <laughs> so that, I'm sitting there scrolling, ooh, look at the pretty pens. Oh, there's some of the people I know. Hey, what's that keyboard phone in front of Scott? <laughs> That's how I read that post. So it was awesome. Definitely go check that out. Because honestly, it's a great picture of Scott. Like it it's a it's some a good great picture. photography in here. Yeah, Anna told me that she said, "Hey, for a change, I took my real camera, and you can totally you tell. Can like, tell the pictures yes. really mm-hmm. came out, really came out nicely." Uh, Laura's recap went up yesterday. She her recap was basically, "OMG, I was so busy, I didn't take any pictures," and that's uh-huh. pretty much how it goes when you're working for Van S. Pens, right? <laughs> that's that's the deal. So, um, and I I know. Uh, Jesse will have her recap up. Mike Madison also had his live Friday show video up. We'll have that link to the his YouTube video in the show notes as well. And we will have a Pen Addict recap up because Sarah Reed, who writes for the Pen Addict, went to the show. And I had three separate emails full of pictures because she huh. had so many pictures they couldn't all fit in one. So that will be up on Thursday. So... How in Chicago is the Chicago Pen Show? Not. Mm. I mean, like, I mean, that's not I mean, a criticism of this show. Pretty much every single Pen Show is like this. They're never actually really where they say they are. <laughs> right? It's one of the <laughs> furthest away from reality of right. any Pen Show. Okay. That and San Francisco, I think, are probably both 45 minutes from their respective cities. Yes, the San Francisco Pen Show is in a straight-up different 
town. I mean, so is this one. This one's called like Hawthorne Estates or something like that. Right. I right. don't know of two pen shows that are further well, from their respective The DC cities. pen show is pretty bad, too. It's getting there. Right? Yeah. Because well, that's I guess like it already technically was. in Virginia, right? Like it's not even in DC, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, we've been in Maryland and in, <laughs> and in Virginia. Um, we've never so been funny. inside inside the border of dc so yeah that's one you, yeah you land at the airport and drive away from the city so yeah. right we should do like the new york pen show and set it in like alabama how that far would be amazing how far can we stretch it like what we can pull that limit? off i think <laughs> yeah maybe we can just talk scott into renaming the philadelphia pen show into the new york pen show <laughs> So that's that's like within range of these other shows. Like that's you know where the Chicago is God, in relation to that city. Um, you know we could just do that. Mm-hmm. But no, I like the New York Pen Show in Alabama. That would be amazing. Yep. Actually, we need to find like do they have like a um like a little city? Do they have like Syracuse, Alabama? And we could like have it there and pretend it was like New York. There's but there's cool. got to be like New York somewhere, right? Like the, a, yeah. another one. That's Let's good. just go all the way and, and go for Paris, Texas and have the Paris There we go. The, the Paris, Paris International Pin Show in Paris, Texas. That's the one. <laughs> That's, I mean, if we're going to go big, let's let's make it that. Oh, we could do the London Pin Show up in Ontario, right? Like, Oh, that would work. That would that work, would very too. much work. So, yeah, we could do a lot of things. Um, but, yeah, Chicago Pin so, <laughs> Show, not really in Chicago is mm-hmm. the point. So, but it's, it's actually, it's a good area for vendors because... We're tied to the hotel the whole, t- whole time, and right outside, within walking distance, is an outdoor mall with tons of restaurants. So that's always any bonus to any type of pin show. But it's a you know completely suburban area, nowhere near Chicago proper, and it would take an event to actually get to the city from there. But uh, it's a wonderful show put on by great, um, you know, great promoters, and it always draws a good crowd and good vendors. Mm-hmm. So. I hope everyone had a good Chicago pin show. It looks like they did from all the pictures I saw and all the uh, comments I got from uh, my friends who were there. So, yeah, I just wanted to give a shout out to everyone who was there and send y'all over to all of their recaps. And if you've never been to a pin show, reading these recaps is, and like watching Mike's videos are always give you a good idea of yep. what the show spectacle is like. I want to talk about the Japan Blue, Japan Blue Pro Gear again. I mean, that's a shocker, right? I did not see this coming at all. I needed to talk about... I didn't think I was going to talk about this pen again, but I needed <laughs> to talk about it again. Because last week, okay. I had had the pen for like two hours, right? Um, right. Before I, I... Well, I actually used it for that amount of time, right? Before we got to talk about it. And I've spent the last week using it every single day. Um, mm-hmm. And I am absolutely in love with this pen. Like, Good. It is wonderful in every way. Like I just picked it up now and it is mm-hmm. freezing cold, <laughs> which is such it, a nice feeling. Um, because that's, I don't really have a lot of pens that do that, but like, and then like, I'm just handling it for a minute and it's warming up again. Um, I've really come around to the waiting of the pen. Like now I'm used to it. Right. Cause like at first it was like super weird. Um, but mm-hmm. now like I'm really on board of it and, and I like that they made it the size that they did. Right. By adding that extra on, because it really helps with the balance um it's such a it's taken such a, like a proud point in my collection right now mm-hmm. like i am so so pleased i own this pen uh i love it it is wonderful to use it's even better to just hold um it feels so different it looks so different yeah i i wanted to just put a full stop on it to be like <laughs> yeah this was an incredible purchase and i'm very pleased that i made it I think the thing about it is, is you took something you already love and then you found the thing that kind of turned it up to 11. Like it's a real outlier, even from a King of Pen or yep. any other of the types of sailors you own, but it's still the sailor that you know and love mm-hmm. in the internals and in the writing experience. But it's taken that thing that you already love and just turned it up to a completely different level that gives you like a fresh perspective of, hey, this is why I like this brand so much to begin exactly. with. I mean, and when yeah. I first, that is, you have 100% encapsulated that better than I did. But mm-hmm. I think f- at first, I had like an uncanny valley feeling with the pen, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, you are so close to what I'm used to, 
slightly different and like and i had to adjust to that like mm -hmm. the weight and the size and the feeling of it and like there's like it looks like a sailor pen but why is there no clip on it and why is the cap so big right like there were just all these little things where it's like you you look and act like what i'm used to but there's something different about you and once right. i got in once i kind of got used to that and could appreciate the differences of this pen for what they are rather than for what they're not um it it completely like just settled in my mind. Yep. I, I also cannot that. believe this pen costs four hundred dollars. <laughs> I it I, it could could be It's a twice that twice much this. Pen. Yes. Yeah. It's four ninety, so it's five hundred dollars, right? I don't know if I'll go up to a thousand, mm. but like that that feels a bit much. But you know, this could yeah. be an eight hundred dollar pen, like quite yeah. quite easily, quite comfortably. Because it, it's 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 very special. It feels very special. Out. Um, I want to give you a little bit of a segue into our first sponsor, and this wasn't in the show notes, and it relates to the Chicago Pen Show. I got to see pictures of the Sailor Lighthouse pen. I obviously have not seen it in person. It is not remotely black. I have like the pictures of people buying them and sharing them online do not look anything like the retail pictures that I have seen. It's a kind of a really nice kind of pure gray. It reminds me of, I have a Keras Customs Decograph that uses a, a, a kind of a darkish gray acrylic. It really reminds me of that. All the pictures I saw make it look very, very gray. It is, and all the pictures I see online look very, very black. And if you were interested and didn't make it to the Chicago, Chicago Pen Show, I know one of our fine sponsors carries the Sailor uh, Lighthouse New North American fountain pen limited edition and that's our good friends at uh pen Chalet, right yeah they most definitely do they are an authorized dealer of all of your favorite brands and they sell all of the stuff that you're looking for and the great thing about pen Chalet is not only can you get your hands on that stuff because you're a listener of this show you can get a discount which i'm going to tell you about in a minute uh pen Chalet, they always are trying to get the best prices that they can for their customers they're always running great deals they have fast and reliable customer service and they do free shipping on orders of over 50 dollars in the u.s and they have great shipping rates for selling overseas as well. But that's not where it ends. As well as believing in low prices on high-quality pens, Pen Chalet offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee. They want you to be happy with the product that you've purchased from them. They also do a bunch of uh, accessories as well, like carrying cases and refills and fountain pen converters and so much more. And we have some deals on some of those things this week too. So go to penchalet.com, P-E-N-C-H-A-L-E-T.com. Click the podcast link at the top of the website and use the password penaddict to get your hands on the 10% off code that you need to save on anything at Penchalet. You can go there anytime and use that. You just go to penchalet.com, click the podcast link at the top of the website, use the password penaddict, and you'll get that code along with a selection of special offers. So a couple that I wanted to highlight this week, there is the Penchalet Endless Notebooks. These are $11.99, uh, with, and they feature Tomoe River paper with a hard leatherette cover. Uh, $11.99, yeah, is an incredible price for a notebook. How many pages is this? I don't know. And it's and it's dot grid. Yeah, this mm -hmm. is like full size A5 looking notebook. How did I miss this? That's cool. That's a great price too. Yeah. So th is there anything else on the list that, that jumps out at you this week? Well, the, the top line item is the Monteverde Regatta limited edition rollerball. I do not own one of these pins. I probably won't own one of these pins, but I see them at pin shows all the time. They are really cool looking, and I see a lot of people. Uh, I've seen a lot of people purchase them just because they're kind of this cool. It's not like a modular pin, but it has a modular style build to it. Like it's in very different, uh, different sections that look like it's all kind of snapped together, even though it's not. It's a cool looking pin. But aside from the notebook, which I did, I completely missed on the first viewing. I am a big-time Pilot Ageless fan, so it's this really unique ballpoint and rollerball pen. This is the ballpoint uh, um, model that, that Pinchelle has on sale, and they're like half their normal price, hmm. and I think they're fantastic. The only kicker is this. It's a proprietary refill, so you got to stick with those refills. It's like if you're used to the Lamy Pico, and they have that little short Lamy, I think it's the L11 uh, refill on there. This is another short proprietary refill to fit this pin, but the way these pins work and how pocketable and functional they are, this is a re ridiculous price, so I will get another one of those and um, add a notebook to my order as well. 
I'm going to be making a lot of orders today after this show. I've already written down um, written down one thing that will come up later that I keep mm. failing to do, and this is another one. So, yeah, good stuff at Penchalet this week. Thank you so much to Penchalet for the continued support of this show and Relay FM. As I say, I'm going to buy more stuff, Mike. I went, as I said in my Instagram picture yesterday, I went full scorched earth on my fountain pen cleaning. So I ended up with... I, you know, I didn't even count them. It was probably a dozen ink pens. Let's just say right around 12. Mm-hmm. And like, I, that's cool. Like, I'm okay with that. And, you know, it kind of stemmed from the Atlanta pen show. I think I had inked up about six pens to bring with them, bring to that show, bring with me. And, you know, over the past month, I haven't cleaned out any of those. And I haven't really used many of those. But then I've also inked up more pens to do more things with. And... You know, I find myself getting into about this number of pins before I like freeze. Like mm-hmm. I just get complete brain lock and cannot use any of them because I just have the choice that I that I can't make. It's an impossible choice for me to make when I see this many pins inked up. And that's just kind of the cycle I live in, right? I'll ink up a bunch of pins for a specific reason, say taking them to the pin show. And I'll just, you know, say, let me pick these six pins to take to the pin show because these are pins that people ask about a lot and I can show them to them. So then I come home and they're always pins that I really like and use frequently. So I'll keep them inked up for that reason and I'll want to use them. And then I'll need to do a different review, an ink review, a pen comparison and I'll say, well, it doesn't really fit any of these pens I have already inked up. So let me ink up some more pens and some more pens after that. And then next thing you know, I'm about here, which is a lot for me, but I know like for you and for other people, you know, once you get up into like the twenties, twenties or 30, everyone has a different, you know, kind of hard stop on like, okay, this is out of hand for me. It's about when I hit double digits. The problem is that which I alluded to is I stop using any of them and it just becomes a frustration point for me because I'm mad that I'm not using them. I'm mad that I'm wasting them, you know, the ink that I've used to fill them with or a cartridge, but I can't just leave it be and say, okay, let me pick this one pen and do the one thing with it while these other 11 are sitting over here inked up and filled up. So I just swoosh, just cleared them all off yesterday, cleaned them all out. So I had no fountain pens inked and I knew because this came up because there was another pen and another ink I wanted to use. I was like, I can't just keep adding to this pile. It drives me insane. Mm-hmm. So I said, I want to use this new pen and ink, and I'm not going to use it until I clean up everything, even though it's kind of wasteful in doing that. So I did it, and like I'm happy with it. And I'm going to try this thing that it's set up for failure, and you should never like go into any project knowing that you're going to fail. And I know I'm going to fail this because that's how I work. Like I have to have... So I have one pen inked up right now. It's this Pilot Custom Black Stripe. It's got this integrated nib and I wanted to use a pilot blue black cartridge, which I need to review. And I don't know. I just wanted to get to this, having this one pen inked up. So I'll just focus on it, review what I need and use it as much as possible. And, you know, maybe run out the ink cartridge and then pick another pen. Like I'd like to keep the one pen I have inked up and in use use for a purpose, like a review purpose. Like if I'm going to ink up a pen, it needs to be reviewed where I've gotten myself is everything's inked up and I'm reviewing nothing. And I know it's going to fail because at some point I have to reference other nibs, other pens, other inks to do comparisons. Right. So like I did a review we're going to talk about later on Monday for a micro architect nib grind. And I had three or four other pens that I used to, do line comparisons with well now those pins are inked but i just inked them up for that comparison and now they're added to the pile so i don't know where i'm going with this other than (laughs) other than i'm trying something i'm setting myself up for failure i know this but i really want to focus on the singular pin i have inked up for the singular reason of reviewing it and being done with it and then moving on to the next thing (laughs) i doubt that's possible for me 
I'll see how it goes. Like I'm enjoying the pen logging process yeah. of it. Like I've that's only been a couple of weeks and I like doing that. But as far as whether I'm able to just keep one pen inked up because I use if you look back at my pen log, I use very few fountain pens, right? I don't need 12 fountain pens inked up. I need fountain pens inked up yeah, to do something it's with. It's just such a pain. Right? Like I if mean, you if you want to ink up a new pen every day and then you got to clean that pen out at the end of it. Like it's just a pain. Oh, I wouldn't do it on a daily basis. Like, okay. you know, this would be like, I'm not putting like a, a firm setting on that, but it's, we're probably looking at, you know, five to 10 days with an individual product. So like you're looking to only really, how many pens at a time? One, just one pen at a time of ink in it? I would like that. Yeah. I don't know that that's feasible for me. That seems really difficult to do. Well, especially for me when I need to refer to other things and answer questions and show people things and which I'm fine with, but maybe... You know, do I start dipping these pens to show these nibs? I don't know that it's the most accurate representation of their performance. I don't think lines, that's a good but... idea because you, 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 you said it yourself. Like, I don't think that you'll get a good, um, a good enough idea of how something performs just by dipping it. Yeah. So I did this knowing that I'm just setting myself up for failure, but I lose focus when I have too many fountain pens inked up. And that's how I get into the the thing that we've talked about with my reviews before where I think I've reviewed a pen Mm -hmm. and it'll be like two years and I've never reviewed reviewed the pen. It's because I have it inked up and in use all the time, but it's just in the stack of pens that I already have. Right. (laughs) So I think I've done something with it because I use it all the time instead of having a pen that I ink up for a specific reason and then be done with it. I don't know. Mm. It's, Mm. it's kind of a silly thing. It's just how my brain works. And that's how that's the state I was in. You know, I got, I hit, I hit max capacity the other day and I was like, I'm done. We're going to clean everything up, even though I'm going to waste a bunch of ink, which I hate. And I'm going to take this one other pen, ink it up and do my review on it because I've had this pen for like two years now and I've never reviewed it and I've never reviewed the pilot blue black ink cartridge which I've probably you know used dozens of over the past several years it's one of the best ink cartridges on the planet I've never reviewed that so I have myself set up to do that it's just how do I get around the pile of other pens and guess what Mike I'm going to do an unboxing (laughs) on Twitch tomorrow so I'm gonna have new pens to ink up new pens and new inks and like I'm cool with like all the review stuff like I almost should discount review products from my okay. mountain. That of makes regular it a usage. bit better. That make that I think that's a much better way for you to try and balance this because otherwise this is impossible. You should like maybe once a week choose like this is the pen that I'm going to use this week and then add into it all the other stuff. That that's seems a little bit more work. manageable than because I was thinking you were trying to include review products in there too, and that's impossible. Yeah, it's not possible. It's just not. And, and like, I'm okay with this. This is not like a, oh, Brad has too much stuff. He can't handle it. <laughs> it's like, I, I want stuff. to, it's, it's the result of me getting frustrated with my workflow, mm. right? It's me trying to figure out what's the best workflow for me to do my job. Um, so, like, I'm happy to have all this stuff. And I enjoy using all this stuff and I enjoy sharing all this stuff. I am have I, the struggle is my workflow, hmm. right? So it's not the stuff; it's how I'm managing the stuff, and um, you know. So it's just one of those things that you know I threw out there. I I know it's kind of unreasonable in a very like black and white type of manner, but you know if I can just get like not all of my personal stuff mixed up into like the work stuff you know it would help me out um just from a mental perspective just from a, a desk cleanliness perspective cuz omg my desk man Oof. Oof. my uh, my situation is starting to build up a bit here mm-hmm. i i have i have to make some decisions about some pens that need to be taken off my desk and put into storage and i just can't bring mm-hmm. myself to make those decisions yeah that's the um that's the other thing that led to this is I got some new storage boxes. So I was trying to just rearrange everything that I had, which is a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, well, I have all these ink pens. I need to build in space for when I clean them up. So that's the other reason I just wanted to clean them up so I could count them as part of 
you know, my storage, my current storage slots and make sure I allocate it properly. So that was part of it too. But it was, it was like, I got to stop getting myself into this situation. I've probably talked about this three or four times already on the show. It's like getting too many pens inked up is, is overwhelming to me. I cannot function that way. So anyway, just one of my little tangents that I have. And next week I'll have like two brass towns filled with pens and things like that. We'll go back to, we'll go back to normal. So that was my little aside for now. And (laughs) Brad's, uh, Brad's delusions of efficiency. Um, you know, that's, that should be my new podcast name is delusions of efficiency. So put that down. Sounds like a good band name. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, my, my band name is, uh, Jeff and I's band names is uh, Soy Division. So, Soy uh, Division? Yeah. 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 It's yeah. just a Joy Division cover band with one, va- yeah. one vegan. With one vegan, yeah, exactly. And I guess the division is over the fact that one of you is vegan and one of you isn't. Right, right. I mean, it's the perfect band name for us. So Very good band name. I look yeah. forward to that, to your cover <laughs> album. <laughs> Tell me about why you reviewed a nib grind that's an interesting mm. thing because it was kind of an outlier and i get i talk about it's one of those things where i've talked about it enough i needed to have a reference point to send people to right so you're talking about the micro architect nib grind that mark backus from nib grinder did for me he did it a year ago after the atlanta pin show i remember it was sunday at the 2018 pin show he says hey i didn't have time here but i've been working on doing my architect grind on little fine nibs as opposed to, you know, broader nibs. You know, I talk about all the time the architect grind is best on a wider nib, like a broad or a medium nib. It gives a wider line variation and it gives the the person doing the work, the nib grinder, mm-hmm. more of a uh, more room to actually do their job. So doing it on a the the micro architect isn't a style, it's just micro because it's done on a finer nib, which is harder to put that type of grind on so he made this for me said hey i've got this nib grind i think you will like it and i do like it's a really really fine architect nib grind is all it is on a steel nib and i just i just put it out there because i I talk about it so much like i said and just wanted to be able to send people to go look at it and also to say that this may not be the nib grind for you and we talk about that a lot on the show to where you know, whether I like a product or you like a product, it may not be for everybody. And this one is a very clear one in that category. Like I referred to it as the Pilot High Tech C 0.3 millimeter of nib grinds. Mm-hmm. And the reason I did that is because that is one of my personal all time favorite pens that a lot of people hate, right? It's very fine and it's very finicky. And that describes this micro architect nib perfectly. Like it is very fine and it's very sharp. Like I, I have basically, um, have you ever heard the term um, like a toe pick from an ice skater where the tip of their skate digs into the ice? Yeah. It's like you, if I get this pin going in the wrong direction, it just stabs right into the page. I couldn't live that way. (laughs) But it's also my fault. Like it's a pace. It's a writing pace and a writing angle thing. So if you want this, you have to take these things in consideration. So, you know, I want to put those words out, you know, that this might sound like fun and cool and sexy, but it may not work for you at all. And you may, you know, have just lit $45 on fire or whatever, you know, this nib grind costs. It feels like you know, the architect grinds are something you should really try before you buy. Yeah, yeah, and you definitely want to start with a wider one. Like, that's what I did, and I really enjoy... This is, like, nuclear. This is extreme. This is extreme on the end of it, just because it's small. Like, it's on a very fine nib. It works really well for me and my handwriting style, and that doesn't mean that it's perfect for me either, because, like I said, if I did... If I was going too fast and did, like, a direct vertical upstroke, I would just dig the nib right into the page. There's not a lot of room for mistakes when you're writing with this pen. So I wanted to put that out there just to point these types of things out. And I linked it to my previous architect nib grind, which people enjoyed where I talked about the broad platinum, which I think is kind of the perfect platform for an architect nib grind for any nib grinder to use and for you to try, you know, for anyone to try. So it's kind of right in that sweet spot of the 
of size and ink flow that you need to get a good line from this architect nib and explains, you know, what makes it an architect nib grind. So this article and the one I linked within it are important to read if you're interested in these types of things to see, you know, do you want to go down this path and why it may or may not work for you. So that's why I want to put that out there. So, and that, like you said, why would you review a nib grind? It, mm-hmm. I rarely will, right? Yeah. Because they're pretty, I won't say they're straightforward. They're obviously very special and, you know, particular to each individual person. But now that we're getting into a lot more experimentation, and which I love, like I love trying new and different and weird things, we're getting into the outlier realm. And I think we need some more conversation around those things. Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's a, it is definitely a bit specialist, right even for even for you right yeah. like you're already in a specialist space anyway mm-hmm. but it is something which is of interest to people i think yeah and i think that goes to the bigger picture of where this entire fountain pen market is headed and this is not a a topic for this show but maybe a future show that specialization is where it's at i think we're finding um, you know, like in the community and at pen shows and in retail and in those type of markets. Um, I know we're sheltered in our little highly specialized worldview, but I think it is playing out on a larger scale to where there's so many options and the more specialized to an individual it can be, the better it's, the it's more going to be. It will become yeah, as yep. as opposed to like um large scale, large market type of products. So, you know, that's just, that's a a more meta conversation that's for another day. And um, it's still just speculation, but that's what it feels like to me. All right, let's round out today's episode of some Ask TPA questions. But before we do, let me thank our second sponsor, and that is Moo, the online print and design company that offers a variety of premium print products, including business cards, postcards, notebooks, and more. Moo deliver to happy customers all over the world, and I am one of them. Um, I have been a very happy Moo customer for many years. Uh, I have notebooks with them that I use now, which they, they did send those to me, but I love them. But I have been buying Moo business cards I don't even know how many years I've been buying them for. <laughs> Way before I needed business cards, basically. Uh, but now, like, I have a bunch of conferences and stuff coming up over the next few months, and I will make sure that I will have a handful of my wonderful Moo business cards with me at all times because networking is important, and you do not want to be in that situation where you need to have a business card in an important moment and you don't have one. You can be prepared and show your creativity by having your business cards made with Moo. Moo believed that great design is at the heart of what they do. There's nothing like a slick, well-made business card. And not only are their business cards super easy to design and order, they also offer a bunch of extra special touches as well, like gold foiling and spot gloss to really allow your artwork to stand out. They have wonderful paper options. They have some great recycled stuff and some like eco-friendly stuff. They have thick textured paper as well. They have glossy. They have loads of wonderful things. Uh, give You can get everything that you want for a high-quality, memorable business card um, it's wonderful to see your designs, your hard work on screen, but it's even better to hold it in your hand. You can count on Mood to help you make a great first impression, whether you need business cards for an upcoming event or meeting, customized flyers, stickers, greeting cards, notebooks, or postcards. Their notebooks are available in soft and hardcover. You can customize them with your brand if you're ordering 50 or more. The hardcover has a tough tactile cloth cover and the soft cover notebooks are lightweight with sewn binding as well and they are wonderful quality. Whatever you need, Moo have you covered with their easy customization options and you can get 15% off your order right now when you go to Moo.com and use the promo code PRINT15 at checkout. That is Moo, M-O-O.com and the promo code PRINT, P-R-I-N-T-1-5, PRINT15 at checkout for 15% off your order. A thanks to Moo for their support of this show and Relay FM. Moo. Let's get physical. So I told you All before right. the show, I have a list of things mm-hmm. that I needed to purchase. And I keep saying I'm going to get my Moo order in. And the only reason I haven't is because the, the notebooks are easy to order. I need to order some business cards. And I haven't gone through to lay them out yet. So I need to do that. Yeah, they have, they have great tools as well. Like if you don't want to have a design, book, know. Like, you know, the design it's really easy to upload designs to their system. So, yep. All right, Tim D. Fowler it. asks... 
Is there a list somewhere of all of the Robert Oster exclusive inks? I know Fire on Fire, Carolina Blue, and Campfire, but there must be all fire. There must be more. <laughs> My Google skills are failing me, so I will ask the expert. There's so many more, and it sounds like we need to get the stationary wiki on that. Maybe it's already there. Maybe there's so. a Robert Oster page, and maybe within that Robert Oster page, there could be a limited edition Um ink page because that's another one where it gets close to infinity as in you will there may not be thousands of them but you will never know all of them but if there was one place to track of them it would be at the stationary wiki so we'll put the link in the show notes to the stationary wiki and um you know if you know of a robert oster special edition ink that would be the perfect place to track it there you go. But yeah, I, I don't know. And, and if not, I'd, I'd go over to a Mountain of Ink and look at Robert Oster and start there and figure yeah. out which ones are limited editions and where they came from. Um, you know, just recently, I've got the ones that, that Tim spoke of and I've got the Hippo Noto ones. I'm trying to think of what other special ones I have. I, I don't have too many more than more than like four or five uh, counting my own. So, But uh, you know there's a jillion of them out there and that would be the perfect place to track it. All right, our next question comes from the one and only Father Kyle. Lately, I've been having some lower back pain issues. Uh, normally, when I write, I lean over the desk partly because I write so small. I notice that this affects my back pain. Is there a proper posture for writing? There has to be. There has to I be, don't right? Know, I don't know what it is, but here's, my, here's the thing that I run into, Father Kyle. My biggest issue is desk height. So if I'm not writing at a properly sized and height desk... I have a problems, especially if they're taller than me and I'm, I'm tall, but I'm not like super tall. But if I have a desk, that's like an inch higher than what I've normally been writing on my arm fatigues like that. Like mm. it's super quick. Uh, I get really bad arm fatigue in my shoulder. Um, so there has to be, I don't know what the rules and parameters are for that, but it has to be, you know, a straight back and a loose arm and shoulder, but I just feel that desk height is playing into some of that too because that's the problems that I run into personally. But I, what the specifics are, what the math or geometry is to have the perfect posture for writing, I don't know. But I bet we could find some articles out there. I'll do, do a little bit of digging because you've, I, I'd like to know myself. You've got to assume that there is one, right? Because like yeah. those artist desks, you know, like the, the things that that right. they lean up, right? That there's the yep. degree. Um, I bet that there, I bet something like that exists yes. you know for a reason yeah but yeah my biggest issue that i find is is desk height hmm. okay uh fibber asks i think parker's ushq is somewhere in atlanta have you ever thought about interviewing anyone from there? this was a this was a great tweet he sent me this last week and number one i didn't realize that like so parker is part of a conglomerate formerly called Newell Rubbermaid, and I think they used to be in Ohio, so I just assumed they were still there, but apparently Atlanta is their new corporate headquarters, and their new name is Newell Brands, but I don't ever think of them as Parker. I didn't even know Parker was part of their portfolio, but they are Sharpie, Rotring, Waterman, um, Expo Markers, you know, Elmer's Glue, all kinds of things. So, yeah, I don't know that I would ever, like necessarily talk to like the parker person but i bet there's people there that are in the writing they they basically have a writing category and you know it would be kind of cool to reach out and say and just like try to figure out how they plan products and market things and like that um i think that would be super interesting so yeah that's something i'll look into because they probably have a dozen or more writing brands i would i think something like that so it's and it's you know paper mate's another one Papermate, Sharpie are the big ones. And then I think then Rotring, Parker, Waterman, and I can't remember the rest. So, yeah, there's a whole handful of them. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see because <laughs> as the chat room's saying, <laughs> they don't do a very good job for people like us, right? That's You read those brands. Those are your mainstream brands that go into Office Max, Staples, Office Supply Stores, pretty much mm-hmm. across the board except Rotring. Rotring is an outlier there. 
Um, all of those other brands are mass market type of brands that we rarely talk about, right? Unless Sharpie does something cool, like I'm all yeah. about that. But um, yeah, it would be interesting to get that perspective because like that's a company that would have no idea that we do this thing, right? It's just not in their purview. And as the same in the same token, we don't really look at their products because they're not marketed towards us either. So it would be an interesting conversation to have if I could do that. And I don't see any reason why I couldn't. So that's on the list. All right. Next question comes from uh, Lelani. I've had many inks in my Twisby Eco without issue, but I put KWZ Meet Me in St. Louis from St. Louis Pen Show. It was their ink of 2018. And it regular uh, it regularly drops out a lot of ink, like it burps ink when writing. I've had this ink in other pens and not had this issue. Is maybe this ink just too wet for this pen? I just find it hard to believe it would be an ink issue, even though it's consistently with that ink. And I haven't heard problems with that ink. I own that ink. I've used that ink. I only seem to have, you know, pens that burp ink when I know I've done something weird, either jostled them correctly, flown with them, traveled with them, had some kind of, you know, atmospheric weather change with them, as opposed to mm. the ink specifically causing the problem. I yeah. I hate to say this, but like I want a bigger sample size than this, right? But, you know, maybe Lurlini is seeing this consistently. If so, I don't have an answer. Like I that doesn't make sense to me. Um, you know, I would take apart the pen, clean it, reseat it completely just to make sure it's tight even though it sounds like you're using other inks intermittently between usages of the Meet Me in St. Louis ink. I have a hard time thinking that it would be a specific ink to cause that problem. I would think the problem would lie elsewhere. Hmm. Okay. Uh, next question comes from Jay Casabona. Are the Retro 51 fountain pens any good? Do you guys know? I love the Skyline one that Goldspot just put out, but is it worth $90? I haven't tried one yet. It's on the list. So they finally finally redid their grip section and nibs um, in their newest fountain pens. And that's after years of feedback of people asking for primarily a better grip section. The The nibs were fine. They used Schmidt nibs in the past. They're okay. Like I didn't have any problems with the nib I used on the old one. I really disliked the grip section. It was hmm. cheap feeling. It was slick. It did not match the rest of the pen. So they redid that. They have a nicer grip section now. It's molded. It's shiny. It should hold your grip a little bit better. They use Yovo number six nibs now. So not only is the stock nib good, you can swap it out with lots of other things. So I want to hold judgment until I get my own. I think I might have one coming already. I'll have to look at, at what I have. And I will review it ASAP. That will go high in the list. That will jump a lot of things just to get some feedback on it because I've been one of the main complainers about it. <laughs> and I think it looks good. Um, there's a review up on the well-appointed desk recently that they enjoyed the change. Um, the Skyline on gold spots, um, more expensive than the normal one, right? Because it's a special edition. And it look, man, that pen looks killer. I don't know if you've seen it, Mike, but you saw their Skyline Retro 51. Did you have... You have London, right? Um, I don't they think sent you so. that. I don't know. You don't think maybe. so? Maybe. I, maybe maybe so. I have it for you. I think I. If you don't have it, I think I have it for you. Okay. <laughs> but they do. They've done New York City, Paris, and London, I believe. So they did the Skyline New York City on the fountain pen model. It looks spectacular. Um, but I'm gonna try just one of the basic ones, which are around fifty-ish dollars. So yeah, I'll be anxious to give it a look. Initial signs point to it being a nice option. Okay. All right. Next question comes from David Chin. Best black or blue black ink for signing a marriage certificate I'm using a new Twisby Eco Transparent Orange with a fine nib. Congratulations. So I, I almost took this question out because he got married last weekend. So now okay. the answer is back to Davey. What ink did you use? So there you go. We'll need to. I think I'm, I don't know if I answered him on Twitter or not because I knew his, his marriage was coming up soon um, just because we follow each other on Twitter. And so I can't remember if I answered him, but I, I think I did. I think I probably said like uh, Roaring Klingner Salix or Platinum Carbon Black is I think the answer I gave him. So now it's back on him 
uh, to let us know what, in fact, he did use. Sorry for failing you. I, I went in there and I highlighted the whole thing to delete it. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, nope, this is a good opportunity for me to turn it back on Davey. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the next one comes from Todd Crane. Uh, I just noticed the only mention of gel pens on your top five pens list are micro and zero and pl- like 0.5 millimeter options. Have you thought about expanding that to non-micro gel pens? Um, it kind of sort of is in the top five pins of the store in the store, although it's not spelled out specifically. Hey, these are the 0.7 options, but like the Pentel Intergel's in there. That's the best 0.7 millimeter gel pen. You know, it's not explicitly stated um, as the 0.7 millimeter option. You know, the Uniball Signo 307 has a 0.7 option. You know, those two are kind of the best, even though it's not specifically stated that way. So maybe I should just add into those lists that. I can say like the inner gel is up to 1.0 millimeters, something like that, and it'd be good. So it's the idea is there, but the specific wording could be updated to say, hey, Pentel inner gel 0.7 and 1.0 millimeter are fantastic, you know, something like that. So it's going to be the same brand. It's not going to change, and the Pilot G2 will not make it. All right, so uh, next up comes from Matt Erickson. I've been playing around with fountain pens for a little while. I'm hooked. My parents kindly agreed to get me one as a graduation gift uh, when I graduate from law school in a few weeks. Would you recommend the Sailor 1911 or Pro Gear for my desk? Yes. I think I think 1911. I actually think 1911 too. Because I think it fits <laughs> more with the aesthetic of being on a desk in a... In Why? A, yeah why is that because that's my answer for the exact same reason but we have no backing we cannot say why it other looks than more it's more classic. traditional yeah it's, yeah it's got like a vibe to it which is like look how fancy i am right the 1911 <laughs> has that more than 100 so go for a 1911 you're gonna love them both they share all of the best qualities anyway um yeah. so you, you should go for a 1911 yeah and get the uh the large 1911 large yeah if you what can you want. Any of them yep. are great, though. Like if you, but if you can go for the larger one, uh, go for the larger one. Yep, yep. So congratulations, Matt. Yeah, congratulations. That seems like a really difficult thing to do. All right, the tiny badge asks, "What causes an ink to evaporate in a pen?" I swear, I have to fill my Leonardo Memento Zero every time I pick it up. Usually, once every couple of weeks. I've never had this problem with other pens. I mean, we've talked about this recently, and we've talked about this a lot, like with the platinum uh, slip and seal cap mechanism. It's to me, it's it's got to be just the airflow in the cap seal not being you know as tight as possible, and the Leonardo may have that right. It may not have any type, or it may not have any additional type of sealing mechanism where like I mean like the threads may not you know be perfectly airtight when you seal them. Like a lot of metal pins have that problem, right? Or you know, there's just different gaps in the pen that cause the air to get into that nib area and that causes it to evaporate, but it's something like that. And, you know, it's kind of, if you have a pen like the Leonardo, it's just one of those things you're going to have to deal with or not deal with. Right. If you find it to be too much of a problem, then it goes away and you get rid of that pen and don't buy any more. But if you, if you like the pen, it, you know, it might not have to be primed you know, or it might have to be refilled faster than other pens. Every two weeks seems like a lot, but if you're using a lot, maybe not, you know, if you're using it very consistently, you know, that doesn't sound too wild. If you weren't using it, like if you put, if you filled up that pen and it sat there and the ink evaporated in two weeks, there's a major problem. (laughs) That's too fast. That's basically like leaving it out open, exposed into the air. Um, but I, it's probably just the cap seal not being completely tight or as tight as some of the other pens that you have in your collection. So, you know, it's, I don't know what you can do about it, really. All right. Our last question is a long one. Uh, yep. This comes from Marty. 
Since late 2018, I've been writing daily in a journal. Up to now, I've been writing in A5 notebooks, Rodier and Clairefontaine. I really like the paper in both. I also recently started writing letters on Tomorrow River paper the, f- the first time. I marvel at the smoothness of that paper. The first time I used it, it was a holy cow moment, which is true for most people, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, after using the A5 notebooks for a few months, I find that this size hampers my writing. It's just too small for me. I'm left-handed, and that makes it even more difficult. Can you recommend a larger size notebook for journaling with quality fountain pen-friendly paper that lays flat? I prefer a journal that has more than 96 sheets if possible. Any direction you can provide will be greatly appreciated. So I put this in because I got this question twice, once from Marty and once from our good friend David Sparks, who is now hooked on Oh, the I told Rodia. David to ask you. <laughs> yes, I, I so got I'm David gonna... on the Rodia train, and yes. now he is like He's done. in he love. He's done, yeah. yes. So David's on the Rodia train, and he asked me about a week ago, I love the Rodia paper. I want an A4-sized sidebound, hardbound notebook. And that's kind of what Marty's getting to here. So Rodia has A4 pads, right? They're top-bound, perforated page. It's not a bound notebook. This is what I said today. I was like, well, they have pads. He's like, no, that's not what I want. (laughs) So this is the exact same question. I don't have a great answer. I had two answers for David, and neither of them I feel are perfect for trying to get the same experience. So I want to find out from um, listeners, you know, what else they might have to say. So number one is the Leuchtturm Master, which is an A4 hardbound notebook, but it's the Leuchtturm paper. It's really, really, really good. It's not Rhodia, right? So it's going to handle your fountain pens well. It's not going to handle them. And it's the ink's not going to look the same on the pages. Rhodia. Rhodia is different. The quality is different. So that's one of them, the Leuchtturm Master. The second one is Life makes a spectacular A4 sidebound notebook that's soft cover and the pages are ivory. And I think it comes in blank lined and graph so you can get different formats, but it's not the white paper that Rody uses in their pads. I know they use ivory in their in their web notebooks, but it's a soft cover. It's going to have the performance of a Rodia, but it may not have the aesthetic or the cover style or the durability that you're looking for. So those are kind of my two um, go-tos. So we'll have to poke around and see if we can find some A4 in, you know, like a hardbound, non-Tomoe, more Rodia style paper for them. So those were my two options. If you would like to send in a question, for a later episode of the show, just send out a tweet with the hashtag AskTPA, and we have a document that collects all of those together, so we may be able to pick one out and help you out on your uh, stationary quest. If you'd like to find Brad online, go to penaddict.com for Brad's work and writing and reviews and, and for all of the crew over at Penaddict. You can find Brad on Twitch, twitch.tv slash penaddict, where he's always doing great unboxings and stuff. Got one planned for tomorrow, right? Yep. I, so the, be there. the hits keep on coming. I went from oh, like yeah. one... Nice, solid unboxing to now have about four different things I want to share. So, yeah, we'll do that tomorrow uh, after 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock Eastern, somewhere somewhere around there. Follow Brad on Twitter and you'll find out. He's at Dowdyism, D-O-W-D-Y-I-S-M. Penaddict on Instagram. I am iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Thanks to Penn Chalet and Move for their support of this week's episode. Uh, we'll be back next week, of course, with another episode of The Pen Addict. Until then, say goodbye, Brad. Goodbye, Brad.